invite you to take your Bibles. Let's go to Acts chapter 2, where we're going to find the Apostle Peter preaching to a large group of worshipers, religious folk. They're in Jerusalem for Pentecost. But when he's done preaching, as Rachel just sang, they have to admit, we didn't know it was you. We didn't know it was you, Messiah. And it's exciting to see what God does in their hearts. How fitting it is on this first Lord's Day in December. As we enter another Christmas season, which is hard to believe, but here we are, that we come to what the reality of Christmas is all about. The birth of Jesus was ultimately about the new birth as evidenced in the birth of the church. Looking out at a large group of people this morning who have been born again. I hope everyone here is. But the vast majority, you've been born again. You've admitted to God you're a sinner. You receive Jesus Christ as Savior. You are the culmination of what the Lord did in coming and being, becoming a man and being born. Our text is the culmination of the Holy Spirit's coming at Pentecost. We've already looked at the timing of that, which is significant. The power behind that, which is the power of God, God the Holy Spirit, coming to indwell men and women, in order that believers then might have Him, as promised, and lost sinners be converted and added to the church. Jesus was born so that lost sinners could be born through faith, born again through faith in the gospel. And today's text is the most powerful evidences of this in all the scriptures. I want us to understand something about Acts chapter 2 and the passage we're going to look at where Peter preaches and thousands are saved. I do not believe that this is meant to be just a good start. This, I believe, is what the Holy Spirit intends. He's not going to do it every day. But we can look back over church history and we can see times when the Holy Spirit of God did a mighty working. And not just 3,000, but multiple thousands were saved. In fact, whole nations were moved by the gospel. Now fasten your seatbelts as we witness the first impact on lost souls with the Holy Spirit's coming at Pentecost. A spirit-controlled Peter is led to preach a spontaneous message that verifies what the prophets predicted about Messiah. And last week in Peter's message, we saw that one of those prophets is Joel. Another one of those prophets is Israel's most famous king, King David, by the way, the king through whom Messiah would come. And Peter preaches that Jesus fulfilled their prophecies and then demonstrated by his miracles that he's Messiah. And Peter's whole point is this, change your mind 
in light of who Jesus is. Change your mind in light of who he really is. And that's the title of today's message. And so Acts 2, 37 to 41 shows that there are two responses by Peter's audience to what he had preached. It ultimately leads to many, many being saved. First, we see the response of conviction. Look at verse 37 now. Peter preaches, Now when they heard this, they were pricked in their heart and said unto Peter and to the rest of the apostles, men and brethren, What shall we do? They were pricked in their hearts. What does that mean? Their hearts were pierced by Holy Spirit conviction and convincement, and it stung. Can I just say a word about conviction? Our flesh wants to avoid it. It wants to think about something else. It wants to tune it out. But do you realize that conviction and convincement by the Spirit of God is His gracious gift to us. We have broken hearts. I don't mean that submissive hearts. We, our hearts are broken. They're deceitful above all things, desperately wicked, the Bible says. And when the Holy Spirit graciously stirs those dead hearts, those sinful hearts about His truth, it stings, but as, as someone has said, it hurts real good if you understand what's happening. Now, they were complicit in killing Messiah. Yet, they also just heard this, how this, what their actions had done in the Sanhedrin, how that fit into God's redemptive plan as they had seen. They'd seen the Lord's ministry, and now they had seen and heard the Spirit's coming like rushing water. That's why they've gathered to find out what's going on. Then they hear praise to God in their own languages. The question now in their hearts is this. We're guilty. God's plan has been fulfilled. Now, how does our guilt get resolved? How does this whole matter get fixed? Look at the text again. And said unto Peter, to the rest of the apostles, men and brethren, what shall we do? They understood that the evidence demanded a response. Just like the evident truth about Jesus demands a response from you. The songwriter said this, what will you do with Jesus? Neutral you cannot be. Someday your heart will be asking, what will he do with me? You have to make a decision about who Jesus is. And that decision needs to include an obedient response. The fact, you need to receive him. Verse 38, then Peter said unto them, and again, at this point, it's important that we take each clause in verse 38 and look at their importance and meaning. As I studied for this message my heart was so encouraged. Within this response to these folks, the Lord solves some theological problems that have, have risen up. They weren't so much a problem at, at, uh, in Peter's day. 
because the church was brand new. But they are a problem today, and within the text, these problems get resolved. You'll understand what I mean in a moment. So let's read what Peter said, and then what he said. Let's read what he said, and then what he said. Okay, that, and I'm going to read verse 38, and I want you to take each word, each clause, and you tell me, we're going to have a little quiz, which is the most important of all these phrases, all right? Repent, in other words, change your mind about yourself in light of Jesus, and be baptized every one of you, now here's the next short part, in the name of Jesus Christ, next, for the remission of sins, and ye shall receive the gift of the Holy Ghost. Now look back over that verse, and let's, let's take the quiz. Of all those phrases, which one is most important? In, good, you passed, well done. In the name of Jesus Christ, there is nothing in this verse about be religious. Do religious works so you can go to heaven. It's not here. In the name of Jesus Christ, that's what matters most. Now, in light of what Peter had just preached, think about his message. Which clause is most important in the name of Jesus Christ? So, in the name of Jesus Christ, listen, repent, and then be baptized. Then the verse promises two outcomes. First, the remission or forgiveness of sins. Secondly, ye shall receive the gift of the Holy Ghost. Now, I love my King James Bible. But this is one of those places where if you read the King James, your mind can turn from what is actually being taught. That repentance and baptism lead to forgiveness of sins and receiving the Holy Spirit. However, Peter's message was only about Jesus. You can go back and review the previous verses. In his message, does he mention baptism one time, yes or no? Repeat the question. In his message, in preaching, I'm not talking about when they say, what shall we do? But when he preached, does he mention baptism a single time? No, he does not. What his message is about is Jesus, Jesus' work, and those who predicted his coming. Baptism isn't mentioned either by the prophets Joel or David, or for that matter, by Jesus. It is noteworthy that we are not told when those who had already received the Holy Spirit were baptized. If I asked you this morning, all right, this 120, the apostles, the other believers, who had just received the Holy Spirit, when were they all baptized? You'd have to do some searching to find that out. And you know that as you search, you'd end up back in John's Gospel, and John does not give us a definitive answer on that. So let's take a closer look. John only tells us Jesus and his disciples baptized. We read that in John 3.22. And then when you get to the next chapter, John 4 and verse 2, it says there that only the disciples now were baptizing. So it's likely Jesus baptized his disciples, but this is not specifically stated. It's doubtful that they would have been 
uh, would have baptized others without being baptized themselves, right? Also note in verse 38, the Holy Spirit is referred to as a gift, not something earned. Do this and you get this. That's working for something. The Holy Spirit, a gift. He is given as a gift. So salvation is all about the work of Jesus Christ, not something we do. And as you look at the scriptures, this matter of baptism, again, it is not the primary emphasis, though it has become a primary emphasis in so-called Christianity today. Now this matter can most easily be cleared up by what the text does say. The word for in verse 38. You may want to circle it. The word for in verse 38, for the remissions of sins, in the Greek language is better translated on account of or on the basis of the remission of sins. So let me give it to you as the original language says it. I've got it on the screen for you. So on the basis of forgiveness of sins through repentance, be baptized, every one of you, in the name of Jesus Christ. That's what Peter was preaching. Baptism is the outward demonstration people could see of the internal repentance and faith that had already taken place in Christ. What people could not see. Not everybody sees when you and I get saved. And so we want the world to know. How do we let the world know we've repented and believed on Christ? We're baptized. And I'm going to use, again, what the word means. I'm immersed. I'm dunked. Say, well, why isn't that said in our Bible? Because, again, the King James translators, they were good men of the Church of England who wanted to stay in favor with the king Church of England didn't immerse. And so we'll just pull the Greek word in, we'll call it baptism, and don't ask too many questions. Okay. Now nothing about salvation is based on religious works. Everything is based on the work Jesus did and what he promised. Hence, notice verse 39, for the promise is unto you and to your children and to all that are afar off. So, in the Jewish mind, those who are afar off, who is it referring to? The Gentiles. Now, it is remarkable that Peter preaches this and then later has to be reminded about what he preached. Okay? He didn't stay consistent with this, but here he gets it right. Even as many... As the Lord our God shall call. So the emphasis here is who the promise was made to. Jews, their children, and Gentiles. This is who God will call. And we could just say it this way. He calls everyone. Jesus said, if I be lifted up, I will draw all men. Not just the elect. All men to myself. And so this is not a reference to the elect, though obviously the elect are called. The word elect, most often translated chosen in our New Testament. 
The word elect is not used here. And oh, by the way, this is interesting. Do you know it's not used one single time in the book of Acts? That's important. However, in Acts 18 and verse 10, I believe there is a reference to the elect. Those who would be saved in Corinth are referenced. Uh, Paul is in that city for a short time and he sees the wickedness and, and he's having a hard time sleeping. How are we going to reach this city? And the Lord comes to him at night, settles him down, says, Peter, take heart, or uh, Paul, take heart. I have much people in this city. Well, who's in the city? The elect. So Paul, go out and start witnessing. You're going to start leading people to the Lord, and you're going to get to see who they are. Now, let me just be blunt. Election is God's business. Our business is to take the world or take the gospel to the world. That's our business. And we have all kinds of problems today in churches that are being choked because there's not evangelism. There's not a heart for the lost because people are trying to figure out God instead of just obeying what God has said. So in verse 40, Peter continues to help his audience respond to the conviction God has sent. And with many other words did he testify. All right, now this word testify is a Greek word that's got two parts. The first part means through. The second part means evidence. So there was a question and answer time. Now I'm thankful this doesn't happen. Okay? I finish up preaching and somebody says, hey, well, what about? That's what was happening here. We, we need clarity. What about? They're asking questions. There's some exchange taking place, and Peter continues through evidence to explain who Jesus is. And then to exhort, saying, save yourselves from this untoward generation. Now, the word untoward means perverse, crooked and refers to those who have turned away from the truth, the truth about Messiah. Isaiah said Messiah would have to come and suffer, and it'd be through his stripes, through his death as a lamb, that we would be healed. Their prophets had said this, but these folks didn't understand about Jesus. That's why they crucified him. Why? Because of this perverse teaching this generation that had turned away from the truth and leading that, of course, was uh, the Sanhedrin, the high priest. And so Peter understands the questions that you're asking and the fact that you don't understand what I'm saying is because of those who have taught you wrongly. And that whole Jewish generation... And the Apostles' Day was perverse for teaching salvation, being earned by keeping the law of Moses, that it, instead of it being a gracious gift by putting your faith in the work of Messiah. Now what did this audience do with the evidence preached and explained? The response to conviction became a response to conversion. Now let me just stop here. 
Maybe at this point in this message, as we are expounding what Peter taught, maybe some of you are saying, well, you know what, I've, I've banked my whole system of getting to heaven on me being good, doing what the church says, being baptized, so on. And the Holy Spirit is stirring your heart saying, that's not it, you're lost. It's all about Believing on Jesus, putting your faith dependence on Him alone, not your good works. But there may be someone listening who, who to me, is just saying, wait a minute, this shatters everything I was raised to believe. And you're part of a generation that Peter was saying, somebody, somewhere, has given you bad information. It's crooked. You take the conviction from the Holy Spirit and say, yes, and receive Jesus Christ. And so the response of conversion, verse 41, then they that gladly received his word, they welcomed the truth into their hearts, implying faith. They believed the guilty verdict. I'm guilty, but I receive the offer of forgiveness through Christ. They were baptized. Again, public identification with the truth and their belief of it. It didn't make them saved. They were letting everyone know that they had been saved. Now, Ronnie Zellman, would you come up here? I need your help this morning. He's a good sport. That's why I called on him. The last guy I had up here was petrified. Anyway, this is a great day for you. And I want to congratulate you in front of all these witnesses. Can I have this hand, please? You are now married. <laughs> Congratulations. Don't, don't you feel good about this? Uh, sure. Okay, all right. Now... I mean, I understand your confusion because we don't know who she is, but I see good things in your future. I feel bad for her. Yeah, I feel bad for her too. But, uh, but <laughs> stay with me here. Okay. All right. So, congratulations. Thank you. I, it's not relational. You, you ha okay, it, but, but you, you, you want to be married, right? Do you want I think so. <laughs> okay. But, but anyway, congratulations. I know it's going to work out. She's going to come into your life. It will become relational. But you've got a ring. You're married. Okay. Okay. All right. And he's saying, what in the world? <laughs> How many folks have I asked, do you know Jesus Christ as your Savior? And you know what they say? I've got a wedding ring. I've been baptized. I, I didn't ask you if you were baptized. Have you ever received Jesus Christ as your Savior? Is it relational? Have you put your trust in Him? Well, I, 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 I believe. All right. Now, this is mine. I'll take it back. Thank you for your help. <laughs> Pastor Taylor, we've got to pray for this man. But I think it serves... The, the point, right? It would be really weird 
if I didn't want to spend any time with Renee and I just wanted to carry her picture around. The point is we have made so much of the picture we've forgotten the person. Now, I'm not diminishing baptism. In fact, I'll confess to you, I used to make the statement, well, there's no direct command in the Bible that we need to be baptized. I was wrong. It's right here in Acts 2. Where Peter preached, be baptized. But before he preaches that, he preaches repent in the name of Jesus Christ. It's admitting to him we're sinners, receiving him as our Savior, and then we put on the wedding ring to let everyone know we're the bride of Christ. That's what baptism is. And so their response. In a moment, we'll see that these were all added to the church the same day. Which means they gladly received his word, repented, believed on Christ. This means they were baptized on the same day. Now, is this possible? 3,000, imagine that. Well, the many pools around Jerusalem made this very possible. Think of the public testimony that that was. Every place you went in the city where there was water, there was an apostle in there baptizing people. What, what, what are you doing? They, in their day, were used to the proselyte Jews being baptized into Judaism. So they understood baptism. But this was different. These were Jews being baptized as well as proselytes. Why were they being baptized? The word spread throughout the city. Because these had received Jesus as Messiah. Now, the text doesn't say who did the baptizing, though, again, we, we understand it was the apostles who had been baptizing all through the Lord's earthly ministry. Now, let me make another note here that's important. There is no reference to speaking in tongues. The initial group, when the Holy Spirit came on them and indwelt them, they spoke in languages everyone could understand as they praised God. When these 3,000 are saved, nobody's speaking in tongues. It's not mentioned. Therefore, it is not a requirement for salvation. So I'm going to make another strong statement, but I stand behind it. Those who say baptism or speaking in tongues are required for salvation are false teachers who are perverse and crooked in their theology. The text bears that out. Those who were saved were baptized. And notice the same day there were added unto them about 3,000 souls. Now, 3,000 is an accurate number, but that word about is important. The Holy Spirit put it in there. This shows us that there is some question about the exact number of how many were saved and baptized. Uh, to be fair, that when you have thousands, an exact number, of course God knows. But remember this, since proselyte Jews 
were present, thousands of them. It was Pentecost. Saved, baptized. They're not going to stay in Jerusalem and continue to fellowship with this church. They're going to go back wherever through the Roman world they're from. And so there were folks that were saved and baptized, and then, oh, got to be to work on Tuesday. And they headed out. Now, they headed out as missionaries. And so the gospel begins to spread immediately by what had happened here. So 3,000 were added to the 120 when the Holy Spirit drew souls to himself. Gospel truth was preached accurately through the Spirit's power and souls receive Christ. So I told you to fasten your seatbelts. How many of you would have liked to have been there that day to watch that? Okay. Me too. Me too. So let's conclude. This is the first of many texts in the book of Acts that demonstrate the theme of this message series. Acts is the testimony of God's power and global impact. That's why I believe as we, 2,000 years later, see what God is doing across this globe, the rapture is going to be a significant event. Untold millions are going to disappear off this planet with the sound of a trumpet. That's why we have to have an alien story. Because we'll have to, somebody will have to explain where they all went. Now they're with Jesus. We're with Jesus. But this powerful working continues because of the Holy Spirit of God. It shows what happens when spirit-controlled saints receive His power and the authority that comes with it to proclaim. And they witness for Christ. So I'm going to state the main thrust of today's message, today's text, in the form of a question. What do you need to change in your mind in light of who Jesus is? I'm not asking if you know about him. What have you done with him? And what is he asking of you where you're willing to say where you sit because of who you are as God and my Savior, Redeemer, Messiah, because of who you are, you have the right to ask and I have the responsibility to obey. In your mind right now, what do you need to change in light of who Jesus is? Let's bow our heads, close our eyes. This morning, if I asked you how you know you are saved, how would you respond? I hope after this message, the first thing you wouldn't pull out is, well, I was baptized. If you have never received Christ and you were baptized, you, you just remained a wet sinner. This text shatters the thinking that we can do anything to earn our way to heaven. 
Have you gladly received the gospel about Jesus the Messiah, repent of your sins, so that you can receive eternal life and the gracious gift of the Holy Spirit? Has that happened in your life? Now maybe you're listening this morning and you think, well, only some are called to salvation. Again, I hope you understand anyone who will may come. Whosoever shall call upon the name of the Lord shall be saved. There are people who aren't saved or who doubt their salvation because they aren't sure they're the elect. That's not your concern. Your concern is to admit to God you're a sinner and receive Jesus Christ. And he will save you. He that cometh to me I will in no wise cast out, Jesus said. Jesus calls all people everywhere to repent and says that whosoever will call on the name of the Lord shall be saved. And so where you're at right now, would you be willing in your heart to take what you've heard today and would you be willing to admit to God right now you're a sinner and then say to Jesus, I'm a sinner, but I believe you died for my sin. Just pray that to him right now. And Jesus, would you please come into my life and be my Savior. I receive you. Now you may have to turn away from previous thinking that somehow you can earn salvation. You can't. Our pastoral staff are here at the front. They're the only ones looking. I'm looking. No one else is. But we want to pray for you and rejoice with you if you just receive Jesus as your Savior. You said, say, Pastor Mike, where I'm sitting, I just admitted to God I was a sinner and I asked Christ to save me. I asked the Lord to save me. Would you just slip your hand up as, as a testimony? Again, I'm not going to point you out. I just want to see your hand and rejoice with you. Anyone at all. I just received Jesus as my Savior. Put your hand up and then right back down. Anyone at all. Finally, have you been scripturally baptized, Christian? That is within the text here. If not, why not? Are you ashamed to identify with God's Son who died in open shame for you, forgave your sins, gave you His blessed Spirit and a home in heaven, but you're not willing to admit publicly in baptism that you're a child of God? If you haven't been baptized, would you say to God right now, I'm going to make that decision as quickly as I can. I'm going to follow through. Would you say that to the Lord? And then finally, Christian, again, it comes back to us. We have authority because we are indwelt by the Spirit of God. We have His power. Will you boldly declare the gospel as Peter did? Would you say to the Lord, I will be that testimony, Lord, and through evidence, I will share the truth with as many people as I can, especially this Christmas season, that they need to believe on the Lord Jesus Christ. Would you commit yourself, recommit yourself to do that as a witness for the Lord?
Oh, what a, what a powerful testimony sitting right before me. All of us who know God would commit to be that kind of a witness. Let's stand to our feet. Now, Lord, you know hearts. Would you work in this invitation time? Father, if you've spoken to anyone, that, Lord, they would settle that with you. Maybe there are decisions that need to be made public this morning. Maybe there are folks here, Lord, who are unsaved, who need to have someone speak to them about how to be saved. Lord, I pray that you'll help them come. Whatever you've done in hearts, we pray for you to work now in Jesus' name.